0: Hello, hello, hello. Thank you so much for joining me for the Social Media Marketing Podcast brought to you by Social Media Examiner. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner, and this is the podcast for marketers and business owners who want to know what works with social media. Today, I'm going to be joined by Vanessa Lau, and we're going to talk about how to turn your Instagram fans into customers. Trust me, you're going to want to have a notepad handy when you listen to this one. It is chock-full of solid gold by the way i'm at stelzner on instagram and at mike underscore stelzner on twitter also are you new to this podcast be sure to follow this show we've got some great content coming your way let's transition over to this week's interview with vanessa lau helping you to simplify your social safari here is this week's expert guide Today, I'm very excited to be joined by Vanessa Lau. If you don't know who Vanessa is, she's an Instagram marketing expert who specializes in helping creators get more clients. Her course is called Boss Graham Academy, and her YouTube channel has got more than 500,000 subscribers. Vanessa, welcome back to the show for, I believe, the third time. How are you doing today?
1: Yes, third time's the charm. I'm so excited to be here, Mike, and to just serve your audience and just share all the tips that I have around Instagram today.
0: Well everyone you're going to be in for a treat cuz Vanessa is super smart, she knows what she's talking about. Today, her and I are going to explore how to turn your Instagram fans and followers into customers. So, let's start with there's a lot of marketers out there right now that have been using Instagram, they've been using TikTok, they've been using Facebook. They're not sure whether or not, you know, they should stay focused on Instagram because we've got TikTok coming up. And as you know, there's YouTube out there pulling people in and all these other platforms. So to marketers who aren't sure whether they should continue to invest in Instagram, what do you want to say to them?
1: Yeah. I mean, I just want to say I have half a million subscribers on YouTube. I'm also on TikTok and there is a reason why I still am on Instagram. I personally believe that Instagram is the perfect all-in-one platform, meaning that I'm able to attract nurture and convert my customers all in one place which is great for example name another platform where you're able to not only leave a comment on a post but you're able to actually engage in the dm hop on a call do voice notes stories videos send photos there's so many things that you can do on instagram and what i'd also like to say is let's say on youtube i have half a million subscribers and the most that my audience can do on youtube is leave a comment on my video I'm not really able to actually build connection with them. Yes, I'm building an audience, but I'm not really building a community. Podcast is also another platform where you can't really do that. Unless you leave a review for the overall podcast, there is no way for your listeners to actually engage on the specific episodes that you've done or message you and give you feedback and all of that. And so that's why I feel Instagram is still a really great platform. And then you mentioned TikTok. I've thought about this long and hard because I do think that TikTok is an up and coming platform and it's really exciting. And the reason why a lot of people like TikTok is because, you know, you get to see creators that you don't even follow on the for you page. You mostly get served sort of content of people you don't even follow. But with Instagram, if you're trying to build a business and people are following you, there's a higher chance of them actually seeing your content. And if more people that follow you are actually seeing your content, it's easier for you to actually convert those people into a customer later on. Versus on TikTok, you might have a viral video and that's great, but that person might not see you ever again on the For You page. And so that's kind of why I still at least this year still believe Instagram is a really great way for marketers to turn their followers into clients.
0: I have some interesting statistics because we're recording this in May of 2022 and we're just days away from releasing our 14th annual Social Media Marketing Industry Report where we survey thousands of marketers and we ask them all sorts of questions about what works for them. And this is interesting. When it comes to increased exposure, the number one platform that marketers say get them the most exposure, according to 75% of the surveyed audience, is Instagram. And I think this is kind of really important because you just talked about how on a lot of these other platforms like YouTube, it's audiences that they're they're showing you to new people, right? And on TikTok, it's also new people. But Instagram, if you want to get in front of that loyal audience over and over again, that's really, I think, what Instagram was built for to develop those relationships. And From a marketing perspective and from a sales perspective, what does that make possible? When these people are seeing and hearing from you all the time, tell me, why is that so important? I mean, I would imagine it's really important for sales and conversions, is it not?
1: Absolutely. Some people need to be exposed to your offer or not even your offer, but to you multiple times before they decide to actually take action and buy or whatever you sell, like take that next step. Whereas with the other platforms, they might find you once or twice, but you're not really able to build deeper connections with them like you could on Instagram. And I feel like the features on Instagram really help you build that community. Think about stories, think about live, think about DMs. These are all really special features that can actually help you get closer with someone on a one-to-one level versus the other platforms that are great for exposure and that are great to get new audiences, but not necessarily to form a deeper connection with the audience you currently have who have actually opted in and said, hey, I like your stuff. I subscribed or I followed. And so I want to see more of your stuff. The other algorithms on the other platforms aren't really a hundred percent built for that the same way Instagram is. And I think that it's important to see that strength and know that it's still a really great vehicle to get
0: sales. Okay. So everyone, presumably who's listening has a desire to make more sales or generate more leads with the work that they're doing on Instagram. And You see a lot of things. You have a lot of people that belong to your academy. You have lots of students, and you probably are noticing mistakes that marketers seem to make over and over and over again. What are some of the big mistakes that you see happening today as we're recording this in 2022?
1: There's three mistakes that I can think of. The first one is focusing only on one feature. And so we already established Instagram is great. There's so many features out there, but one thing that I'm noticing a lot of my own customers, a lot of marketers in general, is they're really going all in on Instagram reels, which is fantastic. Not saying that Instagram reels is bad at all. I think that it's excellent and it's a great way to get exposure and it's a really cool feature that Instagram has introduced to us. However, we need to remember that there are other features that you can leverage as well that help you not just attract someone, but nurture and convert them. So kind of like what I was saying earlier, there's live streams, there's stories, there's carousel posts, there's actual DMs, FaceTime. You can actually do all those features in one. And if you're only putting all your eggs in one basket for Reels, you're really just creating a one dimensional social media strategy and you're not necessarily thinking about the full picture. For example, yes, right now with Instagram reels, some may argue that they get more reach on that platform using that feature, which is excellent. But if you are someone like me, who's more of an educator, let's say there's really only so much I can say in a 15 second clip, I might want to actually leverage a carousel instead where I can actually showcase my expertise a little bit further. Or I might want to hop on stories and actually uh, show the behind the scenes of my life a little bit better and encourage someone to DM me later on. You know, there's other features that you could be leveraging other than just that one feature on Instagram. And I'm not saying that it's just Instagram reels. It could be anything. If you're only doing stories, you're missing out on a whole, other, a whole set of features that Instagram has to offer.
0: I love that. You said there were three things. What, what were the other two?
1: Yes, the second mistake that I see a lot of marketers making is only focusing on one modality. So it's kind of similar to what I was saying before, but when I talk about modalities, I'm talking about the way that someone experiences your content. And this is really specific to Instagram stories. And so, what I mean by this is I'll see some students leveraging Instagram stories, and maybe for the whole entire series of their Instagram stories, maybe it's like 20 slides, all they're doing is just talking on camera, which is great. That's one modality. Or someone might only do text and they might just share their thoughts through text on Instagram stories. And that's another modality. But the way that you can actually retain someone through the lifetime of their content is actually switch things up. So one thing that's working really well for me is specifically on Instagram stories, on a few set of stories, I might be talking to camera with text and captions. That's one type of way I'm engaging. Then the next type of story is maybe some text. So you don't even have to listen to me. You can just read my thoughts. So that's a few stories. Then the next story, I might be doing a hyperlapse. And what that means is I might record myself working behind the scenes. And it's kind of like a little hyperlapse with music overlaid on it. So that creates a little bit of excitement. It's kind of like watching a movie or watching a show. You want to introduce new elements to your stories that might entice someone to actually watch the full sequence. Because a big problem that a lot of people have with Instagram stories is they see a drop-off. And in order to reduce that drop-off, it's really about playing up those modalities and switching things up. Add music, add stickers, add some polls, make things interesting, get people to actually be excited to open your stories.
0: But Vanessa, hold on, Vanessa. (laughs) I want a roadmap. I just want a formula that I can follow over and over and over again so it's easy for me. And you're telling me, break the formula. When you break the formula, then people don't, you know, it's kind of like a pattern interrupt what I just did right here. I just interrupted you. Right. And everybody's like, whoa, what was that? Right. He just said, whoa, Vanessa. Right. So this is a big problem that marketers have is they just copy what they've always done and they wonder why nothing changes. Right.
1: Mm -hmm. Exactly. And this is also really common, even in people who have built their following to a really high level. Even for me, oftentimes I'm also using the same formula that I thought would always work. And then I wonder why, hey, how come my follower growth has slowed down or how come I used to get you know, 10,000 views on my stories. Now I only get 2,000 because I'm doing the same dang thing over and over and over again for years. And it's time to actually interrupt that pattern. The same thing applies to YouTube. I know that our interviews mostly about Instagram, but I actually saw a very, like, this exact problem with my YouTube channel. I was doing sit down videos like this for four years, basically, on my YouTube channel. And I saw my engagement decline. I used to get hundreds of comments, then it went down to like 10 comments per video. I had no idea what was going on. People weren't watching the full videos. My views were going down. And I was wondering, like, what is going on? Because I'm doing the same thing that I've always done that have gotten me to a certain point. And so what I did was, okay, I got to switch things up. So then I changed the way that I did my videos. I started doing more vlog style videos, showing more elements of my home actually walking around while talking and teaching tips like I used to. And boom, engagement shot up. I went back to getting hundreds of comments. My views have shot up to hundreds of thousands of views that I used to get when I first started my channel. And so I'm just sharing that as an example because the same thing applies to your Instagram strategy. And heck, the same thing applies to any type of platform. You always want to switch things up, break those patterns because people get bored and they're also following other people too, right? So you want to find ways to stand out. And it doesn't always mean changing your content strategy. It can be as simple as changing your environment, (laughs) changing what you show. It doesn't have to be just your content itself. It's just how you present it can change.
0: Preach it. (laughs) I love it. Okay. So did you get the third one in there or is there, is that?
1: I haven't yet. I'll share the third one and I'll share it really quickly, but it's just basically focusing on the wrong metrics at the wrong time. I think that a lot of marketers, they'll get discouraged really quickly and they're like, I didn't get enough likes on this post or I didn't get enough comments. And that's fair. If that was your initial goal for that post, there's going to be some posts that you create where in your mind, you're like, you know what? I really want to get more followers with this post. I want to get more reach in which, case, you're going to want to determine the success of that post based on how much reach you get. Versus I might have a few posts where the call to action is really clear and it's about growing my email list. Like I just want people to download my newsletter or download a certain lead magnet. And that post, it might not get that many likes, but is that really my objective? Instead of focusing that metric on the likes and making that dictate whether or not my post was successful, I'll actually go further into the analytics and look at, How many link taps did I get? Because if I got a lot of link taps, that tells me that post did its job in what I intended it to do, which was get people to get exposed to my lead magnet or my newsletter. That's a really big mistake I see a lot of my own customers doing because the customers that I serve are more in like starting out with social media. And when you're starting out with social media, you're prioritizing like, getting more reach and likes and all that. But oftentimes it's not the only metric that determines your success. And it shouldn't be the only metric that determines your success on social.
0: This is freaking amazing. So what I'm hearing you say is number one, don't go all in on just one thing like reels or just stories. Number two, think about the kind of content that you're making and if it feels routine and it's just the same thing over and over and over, switch up the modality. For example, do a walking video instead of the set inside your house, right? Or try text if you've been doing all video, that kind of stuff, right? And then the metrics, right? If your objective is to sell or to drive traffic or to generate leads, then make sure you're not getting caught up in comments necessarily, right? You're looking at the right metrics. Love this. Okay. Now, let's assume that everyone who's listening is going to be like, okay, Vanessa, I'm on this. I'm going to start trying this. Now, let's talk about how we can turn a fan or a follower. I guess, do they call them followers or fans on Instagram? Like, it's kind of confusing to me. Do you call them your followers or do you call them your fans? How do you refer to them?
1: I don't love calling people my followers followers. I, f- I like calling them my community rather than just being like, oh, they're my followers. Like it just feels a bit strange, but obviously from a marketing standpoint, they are your followers or your subscribers and all yeah.
0: that. <laughs> okay. So let's just call them fans for the sake of dialogue. What's the first thing we need to be thinking about when it comes to having these people who've chosen to essentially follow you on Instagram, right? What is it that we need to do to nurture them in the very beginning? Like, how do we think about this?
1: Yeah. So I want to change something that has absolutely changed the game for my business. And it sounds really elementary and basic, but I want to say just because something is basic doesn't mean that it's easy. And that is surveying your audience. And so for my company, once a year, every summer, we actually output a survey to our fans. Also to our customers as well. And this can be done through polls, but we actually do it through a form and everything. And once someone fills it out, the incentive for them to fill it out is the thank you page will actually have like a free gift for them. And so there's a win-win in that situation. And in this form, we're asking questions like, how would you describe your situation right now? And then how would you describe yourself? So for me, I have a few ideas of who my ideal clients are. I might say, hey, are you a coach? Are you someone in real estate? Are you someone who is a content creator? Are you a new entrepreneur, an experienced entrepreneur? Like who do you actually identify as? We also ask them, why did you follow my account? What other accounts do you follow? What topics are you hoping to hear from me about? Why did they follow me? Do you know about our offers? And if you do know about our offers, what what is the reason why you haven't taken advantage of those offers? And so we kind of do this in-depth questionnaire to really know more about our audience because that actually helps us create content afterwards. It helps me actually see who are the people who are following me? Why did they follow? who, Who are my competitors? I can think about who my competitors are, but who are actually my competitors? And that helps me create a really strong foundation for the content that I'll be creating, which would then nurture my audience or convert my audience or whatever else. And one thing that I'll also say about surveying and actually asking people what they want from you is you are never too small of a company to do this and you are never too big of a company to do this. When you are small, it's even more important to actually understand where you stand with these people who followed you. And if you're really big and you've been doing it for a few years like me, you also want to see whether or not your audience has evolved in terms of their life stages, in terms of their interests. I actually saw that in my audience. So four years ago when I was starting out, I was attracting a lot of baby entrepreneurs, people who were just starting out. Four years later, doing the same survey, I've seen a lot of them have wanted more advanced content from me. They want to see more aspects of business than what I've been sharing before. And that not only helped me with my content, but it also helped me with my offers, it helped me with my sales pages, it helps me with so many different aspects of my business. And so, the number one thing is make sure that you, at some point of the year, survey your audience so that you have the data that will inform how you create your content later on.
0: Okay. I've got a couple practical questions about this. How are you surveying your Instagram following in particular? Tell us a little bit of like, how do you get them from being a follower on Instagram to taking the survey? Do you understand what I'm asking?
1: Yeah. So it's usually a campaign that we do and we do it on the summertime because summertime is like a really fun time to kind of do these types of initiatives. And I'll just release it on stories, just being like, "Hey." you know, we really want to level up our content to serve you and to help you achieve whatever goal that you're thinking of, you know, obviously be more specific to your niche. Would you have the time to actually fill out the survey? And now the best thing and the easiest thing now is that everyone can actually share links on their stories. You don't need 10K followers to do swipe up. Everyone's got that link tap feature now. So you embed your survey in and you tell people, hey, this is only going to take you 10 to 15 minutes. By the end of filling out this survey, you will receive a free training or a free guide or a free gift or something like that. And then we also make the survey anonymous as well. And so tactfully, what we do is we keep the survey anonymous so people could be honest with us of what they want.
0: So you do not ask for your email address or anything like that, right?
1: No, we don't. Just because we would rather keep it anonymous because people feel more comfortable to actually share. Like if there's something that I'm doing on social media they don't like, they will share in that survey, which is great information for me to know about. And then how we make sure that people actually get that incentive is it's in the thank you page. So once they actually finish filling it out and there's that thank you page that pops up in there is the link to actually, you know, download the actual training. And so in that case, that's where we would collect that email Got it. because then we're creating a safe space for our audience. Like we're, we we do not know who wrote what, but we're still getting your email so we can at least send you the training. So we're kind of still building our list in that sense. So that's kind of strategically how we do it. And. One thing, because I'm assuming most people who listen to this interview are all business owners, whatever comes out of that survey, it is freaking amazing because I sent it to my contractors. I sent it to whoever writes my copy. I sent it to my team, my social media person. I sent it to everyone that comes to my team and trains with us because now they understand who we're actually serving, what our audiences are going through. And that has helped tremendously with our email marketing our Instagram posts, YouTube channel, everything.
0: Well, and I just want to double down and echo on what Vanessa said about data and surveys. I mentioned earlier that we just published our 14th annual industry survey. Well, guess what? We collect data in that survey that does not make its way into the report. And that data is used for us in the exact same way Vanessa uses it. We ask them questions about our content and what kinds of things they would like to see from us. And it's part of the reason why we have been successful. So high five fellow data nerd.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. And you know, for those people who are listening who are feeling overwhelmed and maybe they're like, I don't know how to do a survey. It doesn't have to be as complex as how Mike and I are doing it. It could literally be a story sequence, like a 10 page story sequence where you have like these little quizzes or these polls or all these things where people can actually just do the multiple choice. And then there, boom, some data for you to work off of. So it doesn't have to be as complex as what we're explaining. It could be as simple as keeping it to Instagram stories and making it engaging and fun for your audience and just knowing that there's something in it for them, meaning that by collecting the data, you're going to be able to improve how you show up for them and give them the targeted content that they want.
0: Did you know that we can deliver awesome marketing info directly into your inbox? Simply subscribe to our weekly newsletter that comes out three days a week. You won't miss any of the updates going on in the world of social marketing. Visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash get updates. Okay, so let's assume there's people listening right now who, whether they've done the data or not, you know, the analysis, they know who their audience is. Like, what's the next thing we need to be thinking about as far as turning our fans, if you will, into customers?
1: The next step is to actually create your content strategy. And so... Specifically you want content that not just nurtures and what i mean by nurturing is it actually just continues to build that relationship with someone but also content that converts. And so what i mean by content that nurtures is number 1 is you want to make sure that you're consistent, right? Because the one thing is it's one thing to have a viral reel go off and that person's like, "Oh my god, i love that reel, i'm going to become a follower." But if you don't have consistent content that's actually feeding through, they're likely going to unfollow because it's just Why are they following a dead account? And so number one is consistency. But number two, in terms of actual content that builds the relationship, you want to create consistent content that showcases your expertise. And so what I mean by this is you could create reels, carousel posts, stories, it doesn't matter, where you share tips around your industry or your knowledge on a certain thing, stories, relevant stories of things that you've been through, stories and lessons that you've learned in the last few years where you've accumulated your experience, sharing the behind the scenes of you working with your clients or whatever else, you know, types of content that actually showcases your expertise regularly. And so for me, I'm always sharing my experiences on Instagram stories. I'm always sharing my experiences through my carousel posts or my reels. And so that is the type of content that I like to do. The second type of content that you want to do that also builds a relationship with someone and also gets someone to trust you, but also starts really warming them up for your offer is content that allows them to shift their beliefs. So I call it belief-shifting content. A lot of times, especially if you are someone who is in the industry, you're trying to educate someone, or maybe you're just trying to share your knowledge, you know, a lot of people who follow you might have a goal, right? They might have a type of outcome that they're hoping for, and they're hoping that by following your account, they can get closer to that outcome. Now, a lot of times, your followers may have self-doubt. They may just feel demotivated of actually achieving that goal what type of content can you create that really inspires them and encourages them to keep moving forward? So for me, what I like to do is I like to share stories of times where I failed and how I overcame that. I like to share quotes. Quote posts are one of the easiest things to create. And they don't even have to be your quotes. You know, it could be some quote from someone else that really inspired you and you can just credit that person. So types of content like that, that actually get someone to feel motivated and to feel like, whoa, This is possible for me. That outcome that I want is possible for me. And I thank Vanessa and I thank Mike for showing me that it is possible. And so that's the second type of content that I like to do. And then the third type of content that I like to do that also builds trust with people is personal content. And so it really depends whether you are a personal brand or not. So this is more relevant to those of you who have personal brands. But even if, let's say, you're an agency owner or you're a real estate person or whoever else, it's always nice to at least show the behind the scenes of your life or even regularly on a quarterly basis, what I like to do is I say, hey, hey, everyone, we have some new faces here on my account. I just want to take some time to reintroduce myself. Hi, I'm Vanessa. I'm the owner of this business. I'm a Taurus, an ENFP. Here are my values. Here are my top three values. This is why I started my business. And here are three ways that you can work with me. And so I'll regularly resurface like myself and reintroduce myself to my following just to remind them like, hey, I'm here for you. And here are some fun facts about myself. Because at the end of the day, if you have a service provider or a business owner who is selling the exact same thing as you, oftentimes what might make someone choose you over the other person could be those personal facts. Hey, I really like Mike because he lives in San Diego and I've always wanted to live in San Diego. Or hey, I really like Vanessa because I know that she's got two cats and a dog and I love animals too. And so these little details that you share with your audience builds connection, but it can also be the difference that makes the difference on whether or not someone decides to actually buy from you.
0: I could just keep listening and listening and listening. (laughs) You're so amazing. Okay, let's talk about offer-focused content because this is something that you and I talked about when we were preparing for this interview. And, And by the way, I echo everything that you said. You know, I've recently, and by the way, folks, everything Vanessa's talking about doesn't just apply to Instagram. It applies to podcasting, it applies to YouTube, it kind of works everywhere, right? I mean, like there's something fundamental about what you're talking about. And I recently had Evan Carmichael also on the podcast and he's a YouTube guy. You might know who he is, but so much of what he's talking about, what you're talking about at a strategic conceptual level, like the Venn diagram overlap is pretty substantial. And I I love it when my audience hears from different people, some of these same recurring messages, because in the same way we said earlier, you and I, that, You need to try to say things in different ways in order to get through to your audience. It's also good for me to have different voices echo some of these very important concepts that are fundamental and critical to marketing. So now I want to transition over to this concept of offer-focused content. What does that mean? What do we need to be thinking about? Talk to me about that.
1: Yeah, so offer-focused content is self-explanatory, but it basically means content that actually speaks to your audience offer. And this kind of links back to the mistake that I mentioned earlier on about how most marketers sometimes only focus on one metric of success versus, you know, looking at the big picture. So for instance, a lot of times for me, when I create offer focused content, I will actually create content that says, Hey, this is my offer. (laughs) This is what we do for our clients. This is what we stand for. If this is something you're interested in, then DM me, Or click the link in my bio or comment below and I'll serve you or whatever else. And a lot of those posts don't get likes. Sometimes maybe they might not even get comments, but those are the posts that actually brings us sales because one mistake a lot of people make is they don't talk about their offers enough, explicitly enough. And they expect that their audience or their followers are just going to click the link in the bio by themselves and then find your offer by going through your website and, you know, researching about you. But you want to make their lives easier and occasionally tell them, this is what I have. One thing that's worked really well for me is to make sure there's two strategies that I do. The first strategy is when I create carousels. Okay. So sometimes what I do in my carousel posts is I'll share like, you know, maybe five slides of me sharing a strategy that I teach or sharing a story that I have. But then on the last slide, I'll have an actual call to action, like a visual call to action. It'll have a graphic of maybe my offer or maybe my lead magnet, depending on what your funnel is going to look like. And then I'll have text that say, hey, if you like this post, you would love my newsletter. Or if you like this post, you'd be a great fit for the Boss Graham Academy. Then I've got like a visual representation of what the course looks like, like the graphic. And then below that, I will have a call to action, like click the link in my bio or here's the link or DM me the word X keyword. And we can talk about direct message later, but DM me this word and I'll give you the link through Messenger. That's kind of what we do. So for a lot of our posts that feel like it could link to our offer and that'd be a great segue to get someone to take that next step, we'll put that at the last slide of the carousel. So it's not just hidden in the caption, it's actually like a visual. And so another thing too with uh, carousel posts is it could be a video or it could be just a picture. And so what's awesome is on the last post, especially because for me, I sell a course, it might even be like a video walking through the course, just like showing someone like, hey, Wait, here's what-
0: a carousel, the last carousel can be a video? Is that right? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that.
1: Yeah, it can be a video. And it's not a reel, but it's like a video. And so you could do like a GIF, let's say, and then we'll do GIFs of just showing like, here, was here's what the product looks like. Or even if it's a lead magnet, we'll kind of like, Scroll through the lead magnet so people can see, like, oh my God, this looks like a really juicy piece of content. And I want to click the link in your bio now to actually download it. Versus, you know, of course, you could have it in your caption, but the caption's only text, it's not really visual. And that's what I meant by having different modalities. You're not changing your offer, you're not changing the messaging, but you're kind of changing the way that you're presenting information. Because another mistake that people make is they assume that people like to learn the same way you like to learn. Like, I'm, a video person. Like I love visuals. I'm a very visual person. Other people, they might not be visual. They'll maybe only like audio or maybe they like reading. And so you really kind of want to switch up the different ways that you're presenting your offer because not everyone consumes content the same way. It's also great for accessibility as well. And so that's the first strategy that's worked really well for me is to visually show my offers. And I specifically leverage the carousel feature to do that. Then the second strategy that I like to do is I'll pick a day, let's say, of the week, and I'll say, okay, every Wednesday on my stories, I'm going to share my client wins, followed by a call to action to my offer. So every single Wednesday, we will share maybe like three slides or even two slides of screenshots of our clients' wins that week, right? And then you click through those two slides. Then the next slide is a transition slide on my story that will say, hey, if you want results like these clients, then click this link to learn more about our free training that's going to help you go from A to Z when it comes to building your business. And so we have that on auto, like kind of like scheduled every single Wednesday, we'll swap the client testimonial. So at least we're switching things up, but the slides where we actually share our offer are the same. And so it's kind of like an evergreen way and a scheduled way to just continuously share your offer without you forgetting. Because a lot of times we forget to talk about our offer. And this is a really great way that I've kind of automated that. While also modifying it so it's not going stale, if that makes sense.
0: Totally. On this strategy to pick a day of the week and share a client win. Are you talking about like a screenshot of an email they sent you with their name fuzzed out? Are you talking about text messages? I mean, what are you talking about?
1: I'm not about anything. So let's say, like, I'll have maybe some screenshots in our Facebook group of our latest client wins, and I'll like just literally throw that up in Canva. You don't even need to do that. You could even just do it through your phone, just do it on your stories then I share and then I'll write like hey mike got an incredible win this week when he started in the program he was this and now he's this and then I'll have a few stories sharing those client wins and then the next few stories transitions into hey if this has inspired you and this has shown you what's possible and you want to take that next step with us then click the link here to download this or to join this or to whatever and on every wednesday we do this a great thing too is kind of like training your followers to expect that so what we like to do is like, it's client win Wednesday, (laughs) like happy Wednesday, everyone time to share the client wins. And then we'll kind of have that uh, template that we reshare every Wednesday and it gives us consistent traffic. And it's in the data. Every time we do this, we see a tick in email subscriptions, a tick in people signing up for the webinar, a tick in sales. And so it works. And the reason why it works is because people need constant exposure to something. And so that's kind of what we do. And then another thing that we like to do too is instead of just telling people, click the link, we also leave an option. And it's like, Hey, have questions, DM us. And so that way we're inviting them to talk to us if they're interested. And that way we can actually have a one-on-one sales conversation that will probably convert better.
0: <laughs> okay. I'm going to get to the DM stuff, but first I know I can read the minds of someone who's listening right now and they're saying, yeah, but Vanessa, I hate selling myself. Vanessa, I just want to provide value to people and I feel icky if I have to like sell myself. I can imagine you might've felt that way once and probably some of your students have felt that way. Like, what do you want to say to people who just want to provide value and just don't feel comfortable doing the pitch? Do you understand what I'm asking?
1: It's interesting because I feel that. I feel that to my core, but there are two things thoughts that I have. The first thought is number one, a lot of times people aren't buying the offer because they don't like it. It's because they don't know that it exists.
0: Ah, you're doing them a disservice then, right?
1: Yeah. You're doing them a huge disservice, but also it's, they just don't know that it exists. And that survey might also even tell you about that. Like, even for us, that's why we ask, like, are you aware that we have these offers? And it'll be, you'll be surprised some people being like, no, I was not aware that you had these offers. And I'm like, well, heck, I guess I didn't do a good job sharing it because you see your business every single day. You see your offer every single day, but you have to keep in mind that you are one out of like a thousand people that your audience is following. They're not revolving their lives around you. And so if you don't share, then they're not going to know about it. And for me, what I like to do is I like to share a bunch of value and then tell people my offer. And so for YouTube specifically, because I'm, I'm a huge YouTuber or like I'm a huge on YouTube, passionately on YouTube, don't want to put my own ego too much.
0: You're also, you're also a huge YouTuber. Okay. Let's not discount that. Go ahead.
1: But every single video that I do, I will always have a call to action. Like, Hey, if you like this video and you like the value that I provided with these tips and you want to take it to the next step, then click the link in my description box because I have a full blown extra training that actually can help you with this even more. And so that training allows me to click the email and it allows me to have a longer piece of content that leads into my offer again.
0: Well, and most importantly, it allows you to generate the revenue to justify the continuation of you creating content, right?
1: 100%. And that is why I started doing that, actually. I'm so glad you brought that up, is... YouTube specifically, but Instagram, there's also a cost to like running social media. Your time is also really valuable too, but YouTube specifically for me, I'm paying my editor that costs money. I'm paying for my hosting software, uh, like storage. I'm paying for all these things, right? I paid for my equipment. And so for me, I always want to make sure that each video is giving me a return on my investment. And so that's why it's important that I always share my offer because that's the way that I'm able to create content. One thing that Tony Robbins said that really spoke to me because trust me, I also used to be really scared to charge more, used to be really scared to tell people my offer, ask them if they want to be a client, all those things. But one quote that really spoke to me was, there is no mission if there is no margin. So if you have a huge mission, you want to elevate your client experiences, you want people's lives to change, and or even if you want to give client gifts, something as simple as that, you need to be able to make money to do that, So if you're not making any margin on the content that you're creating, your mission can only go so far because eventually you're going to burn out because you're not making any money and that doesn't serve anybody.
0: Well, and therefore, if you are doing the wrong call to action, like comment, share, right? Versus check out my course. I mean, like, talk to me a little bit about that because everybody seems to do the wrong call to action if they're trying to generate revenue, don't they?
1: Yep, exactly. I mean, like the comment, like, share, there's a place for that. If your goal is to like, for this post specifically, I just want to gain more followers and I just want to grow my audience a little bit. But if it's about sales and yes, absolutely. You need to start telling people, Hey, my course is available. One way that I like to do this. And I like to kill two birds with one stone for my captions is I will still say like, I'll have two call to actions usually in my captions. The first call to action is when I will say, Hey, like this, if you resonated comment below of your thoughts. And then my second call to action is PS, <laughs> if you like this post and you are someone who wants to achieve this goal, then click the link in my bio because I have this offer for you. And so I'll have two calls to actions so that I'm speaking to two different types of people. If one person is like, you know what, I just want to like and en- engage, then great. I've invited them to do that. But there's a lot of people that want to know about your offer and you are literally cutting them off doing that. And the next thing that I'll also say too is the best free content aims to give short-term results, like quick wins, right? Free content can do that. That free like really well-done content that's for free does that. Gives you short-term wins. But the best paid content, the best paid stuff is what's actually going to get people the big transformations, the big long-term results. And so if you're only focusing on doing these free content pieces, bite-sized whatever else on YouTube, podcast, Instagram, whatever, you're really only taking someone this far of the transformation that they could possibly get. They're just getting those quick short-term wins, which is good. But when you actually have a paid offer, a paid service, something that like takes 3 months to achieve but you're going to support them in achieving that, that's when people get the huge wins. That's where I get my clients saying, "Oh my gosh, I was able to quit my job. I was able to make 10k per month thanks to you. I was able to, you know, start my own business." My YouTube channel and my Instagram content gets people results. They'll say, oh, I got more likes or, oh, thank you. Thanks to you. I got my first 100 followers, but it's not the big transformations that my paid stuff will actually give. Again, if you think about it in that lens, it's like if you really care about people and you really want them to win, you should offer both. And if they don't take your paid offer, great. You have your free content that's extra valuable too. But just know that you can only take them so far with that free content.
0: A few minutes ago, you mentioned about direct messaging and uh. <laughs> talk to us a little bit about the role of direct messaging when it comes to marketing and sales from your perspective.
1: There's a few direct messaging strategies that we've used that have helped a lot. The first one I'll talk about is just how to like automate some lead generation. And then the second thing that I want to talk about is how to actually have really good conversations with people that feel aligned because we just talked about oh i feel so icky about selling myself and yeah 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 well if you feel icky about even talking about your offer on stories then i can't imagine what it feels like to talk about your offer privately in the dm so i have some tips to help people with that but i do want to share the automation side of things cuz it's something that my business has tried and it has worked really well and it's more advanced by the way but you could use apps like mobile monkey or mini chat and one thing that worked really well for us is we actually automate sending people our lead magnets. So for example, in our posts, we might say, comment the keyword client, and we'll send you our PDF on 10 steps to get clients. What's awesome about that when you automate something like that, and you have like a third party service that does that for you is now a bunch of people are commenting client, client, client in the comment section, helping our engagement. And then when they comment that you're able to actually automate delivering that lead magnet to their DM. And then to get them to sign up for it. So we were able to build our list that way, which was awesome. So that's one side of things that have helped us in terms of optimizing DMs, just to be able to automate the act of sending lead magnets or sending resources over. The second way that has helped us a lot in terms of actually increasing conversions is having conversations, actual real life conversations. Because here's what we tried, Mike. We tried to automate conversations through DMs. That was a disaster. That didn't work for us.
0: You probably had a lot more upset people than anything else, right?
1: Yes. So like, that's why with messenger bots, you want to be careful. Like what I found from trial and error is what worked with messenger bots was just simply automating, sending resources. I like that. Not having conversations, but more so like, Hey, if you want this resource, DM this, and then Betty, the bot, or like my virtual assistant, my bot will send you the lead magnet so you can download it. Because what I used to do is I used to have my team like manually send people stuff. And it just took so long, right? So bots have a place, but for me personally, I think it's just automating those tasks. But when it comes to actually having one-on-one nurturing conversations, I've tried it. didn't work well for me. If you know someone who it worked well for, let me know. But you cannot replace like a human actually talking in the DMs to understand someone's pain points and seeing if they're a good fit for your program. And so what we do now is we'll say. In my post or in my stories, my call to action, I might still say, "Hey, DM me the keyword social media if you want me to help you with growing your social media account or something." Then the person will DM me and they'll say, "Social media." I'm like, "Okay, great." So now I know that they found me through that post that I did. They're relatively interested, and so what I might say is like, "Hey, Mike, thank you so much for checking out my stories and sending me the keyword. Can you tell me more about your business?" And then you might say, "Hey, my business is ABCDEFG, whatever else." And I'm like, "Great, that sounds like an awesome business." So I'm kind of validating their business, I'm making them feel comfortable. But then I'm also going to ask a qualifying question, a question that kind of tells me like, "Okay, is this person going to be a good fit for my offer or what I have to offer or the resources that I have?" So I might say something like, "Hey Mike, are you successful at getting clients currently?" And so that way I'm able to not just qualify that person through that question but I'm also able to create a gap because now it's getting you thinking like, am I successful at getting clients? (laughs) Let me think about that. So you might say, Hey, Vanessa, you know, no, I'm not really successful at getting clients right now. I'm really struggling with lead gen specifically. And you might tell me your whole story about why you're not getting clients right now. And so what I'll say next is I will say that sounds really frustrating. I can completely understand how that feels. So again, I'm validating that person. And then I would say, you know, doing like client generation is actually something that we do in our business pretty well. Is this something that you would like support on? And so I'm not just sending them a link to something. I'm number one, asking their permission. Would you like my help with this? This is something I can offer. Would you like my help on this? So It's asking for permission. So you feel good and you're not like pitch slapping someone. And then the second thing is if they say yes, what I'm creating right now is micro commitments. So the more times I can get someone to say yes the easier it is for them to say yes to the actual final offer. And so you might say no, which is fine, or you might say yes. And I'll be like, okay, great. You want more help with this? Well, I'm not sure if you know, Mike, but in my business, we have a program called Bossgram Academy, yada, yada, yada. This is what it's about. And this is who it's perfect for. The first step is to actually watch this free training that allows you to learn more about the program. Would you like me to send you the link to that? Again, I'm asking permission. Again, I'm not just sending them the link right away. I'm asking for permission. And again, I'm trying to get another micro commitment. They might say, no, this is not something that I'm really interested in right now. I'm like, okay, great. That's no problem. Here's some other free, like, would you like me to send my free resources? Or like, you know, I'm, I'm able to kind of dig deeper as to like what they really want, in which case I'm able to give them a targeted solution. If they say yes, amazing. Then I might say, okay, great. Here's the link and I'll send it through. And then I might say something like, hey, you know, I really care about making your life easier. I want to make sure that you're able to get this successfully. Would you want to just send me your email? I can register you automatically myself. And then most times people will be like, oh my God, thank you so much. Like, yeah, because what I'm trying to do is I don't want people to have all these different steps to just find my offer. I don't want them to go through all these different hoops, just sign up for something. So I will think of it in the lens of, I want to provide the best white glove customer service as I possibly can through DM whatever I can do to make your life easier, let me know. Would you like me to just register you for my, like myself? Most times they'll be like, oh my God, thank you so much. And I'll be like, okay, great. I just registered you. You would have gotten the email. I cannot wait to see you at this training. And I'll follow up in a few days just to see how you liked it. And so do you kind of see how like comfortable that conversation is? It doesn't have it. to be easy and anything like that. And so that's how I've trained my teams and myself to have these conversations organically in the DMs. And what's awesome about this is we notice a much higher conversion doing it this way because people feel like they're getting a targeted solution versus if you're only focusing on like click the link in my bio and it's like one to many and it's like to the masses that you're having this call to action in your captions or stories. Yes, some people will click on it, but other people, they might be like, is this offer for me? I'm not sure. Not like, am I ready for this? I don't know. I have a question. And so when you actually have a conversation like that, you're able to learn more about their business. You're able to learn more about what their goals are, ask them for permission, create those micro commitments, all those different things. That person then feels like, whoa, she really listened to me. And now I'm even more excited to click on this link because now I know for sure it is actually what I need and what I want. And it also benefits you as the business owner too, because you don't want leads that are unqualified clicking your links and driving your uh, conversion down. It's a great way for you to also filter people out, get information, get data, do market research, send people to your free content if they're not qualified for your paid content. It's just, it's awesome. And it goes back to the first thing of why choose Instagram? You can't do this on YouTube. Yes, you could do it on TikTok, but I don't think TikTok is as developed yet in terms of doing these types of conversations. So that's why, guys, Instagram, you're still able to do these
0: things. Wow. 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 Okay, folks, you just heard the magical mind of Vanessa Lau. Now, Vanessa, there are gonna be some people right now that want to discover more about you. Where do you wanna send them?
1: Yeah, so if you are someone, if you're a creator and you wanna launch a one-on-one program and sign clients, you can visit my free training at clients.com. Or if you want to browse my free content, I do so many free videos online on my YouTube channel. Just search Vanessa Lau and you'll find me there.
0: Vanessa, thank you so much for answering all my questions and providing amazing wisdom. I really appreciate you coming on today.
1: Thank you for having me. This was a pleasure. And hopefully we'll see you guys for the fourth time next time.
0: <laughs> hey, if you missed anything, we took all the notes for you over at socialmediaexaminer.com slash 515. If you're new to the show, be sure to follow us. If you've been a longtime listener, would you let your friends know about this show? I'm at Stelzner on Instagram, at Mike underscore Stelsner on Twitter. This brings us to the end of yet another episode of the Social Media Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Stelsner, I'll be back with you next week, I promise. I hope you make the best of your day and may social media continue to change your world. The Social Media Marketing Podcast is a production of Social Media Examiner. Want more good stuff? Sign up for our top-notch social marketing newsletter. We deliver it straight into your inbox three days a week. Visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash getupdates.